by the way, if you're new to Core Church, my name's Brad. I should introduce myself. I'm Brad. I'm the pastor, and I'm glad that you are here. Uh, we are in, you've come at an amazing time in our church because we're going through our core values series. So you're really going to hear in the next few weeks like who we are as a church. And we talked last week about hope for the heart. And uh, this week, what I want to talk to you about is healing for the soul. We're in a series called Valuable. So we're looking at these four core values on Sunday mornings. And then we're, we're how do we live them out, though? How do we tangibly live them out? We are encouraging everyone to get in a core group for four weeks, just four weeks. We have a, a video series that Laura and I have put together that all the groups are going, everybody's going through the same stuff together. And what we're talking about is how we, in groups, is how we are able to live out these core values. So if you're not in a group, grab an next step card, fill it out. We can get you in a group as quick as tonight if you want, or in the next week, we can get you in a group where you can begin to talk about this with some people, okay? So go to uh, Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, download version, and, and then look for the book of Mark. I read out of the New Living Translation, so I don't know what Bible you got, but I'm gonna read out of the New Living Translation uh, today. And Mark, for those of you that are new to church, Mark was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was very close with Peter, who we talked about just last week. So Mark um, was walked with Peter, uh, helped Peter, was a companion of Peter. And so what he did is he recorded all of these different sermons and all these different talks and all the different conversations that he had with Peter. He wrote them down into this book. So it really could be called Peter. But Mark is the guy who wrote it, so, so he gets the, the credit for it. So Mark chapter 1, let's go to the end of the chapter, starting at verse 40. And he writes this about one of the stories about Jesus. A man with leprosy came and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. He said, I am willing. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest. Let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. So Jesus is just telling them about their tradition and in the, book of, and in the law of Moses. And this is what they would do if someone was healed. And this is the, the exercise that they would do. He said, this, was, this will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. But, but, <laughs> everybody say, but. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, here's what happens when you spread the story, okay? Not, not just when you go out and, and, and try to, quote, unquote, evangelize, but when you go out and you talk about your healing. Like when you guys share the story of, of Matt's healing, this is what will happen as you share his story. This is what happens as the result of Matt's healing. This is what the result of it, okay? It says this, as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anymore. That's what happens when the people of God share their story, okay? That when you have a story of healing and God wants you to share that story, and when you share that story, people are going to be like, where do I get some of that? I want some of that. Where do I get that? So Jesus had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So I want to talk to you today again about healing for the soul, healing for the soul. Let's pray. Father, 
so grateful for this day, this moment we have to come and worship. We ask God that your spirit would uh, help us to understand your word and that you have something you want to speak to each one of us. And so we ask that we hear from you. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I want to encourage you, you can, you can hear from God today if you just kind of open yourself up and say, all right, I'm, I'm listening. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. All right, you can sit down. Have you ever uh, had an uh, oops moment? You know where you're like, oh man, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> you know, like um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was driving, and have you ever cut somebody off in traffic uh, on accident, not on purpose? I mean, we would never do it on purpose because we're the people of God. Uh, but have you? Yeah, right. Uh, but. I, I was driving, and I, and I accidentally, when I was driving, I wasn't paying quite enough attention, and, and I swerved into this lane, not swerved, but kind of went into this lane, and there was a guy behind me, and I didn't actually cut him off. He just had to slow down quickly, and I couldn't verbally apologize and acknowledge my mistake, so what do we do when you can't do that in the car? You, you physically apologize, don't you? You're like, sorry, sorry, my bad, sorry. You do the shrug shoulder thing. You ever looked in the rearview mirror? Oh, he sees me. He's looking at me. He's like, see, you have these moments, these, these oops moments. Like, um, have you ever thought that someone was pregnant that was not? <laughs> Last week, I saw a lady, and I was like, hey, when's your boo, boo? Don't say it. And she's like, what, boo? Something's wrong, boo, Excuse me, Feeling sick. I was just like, I was like, I'm not gonna make that mistake because she might be pregnant. She might, ah, I don't, I don't know. Have you ever had, uh, you've had two people standing there, a man and a woman, and you're talking to them and you go, oh, so this must be your daughter. I am his wife, thank you very much. Wow, shouldn't you be in school? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you ever um, have you ever door dinged somebody on accident in a parking lot where you open your door and and you just kind of barely hit it and you're like oh man and just walked off? We don't do that as followers of Jesus. No, but have you ever done that? Like, and you get out and it has that little white mark on the door. Not that I've ever done that. And you kind of go. Have you ever looked over and went, Hey, didn't know you're in the car. Oops, my bad. <laughs> you know, oops moments, they, I mean, they might be embarrassing, they might be frustrating, um, but, but they are not life-threatening. Uh, but there are some moments in life where oops just does not really cover the damage that's been done. We all have these these moments where uh, we made some poor choices and decisions that we wish we could have back. We have these moments of regret when we think about it, just wish that it could be undone, but we, we, can't, we can't undo it. There's people that, that we've hurt 
You wish that you didn't hurt, and you wish that you hadn't done that. But the damage is, is done. Sin is a funny thing. It, can, it operates like a cancer in, inside of you, and it just slowly eats away at your soul. And you can find yourself just dying this slow, slow death. Some of you are, are just riddled with guilt and, and, and shame. It's so hard for me to even mention this because I know what it does. I know the pictures. I know the images. I know the thoughts that, that come your way. But honestly, for some of you, 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 you say, you know what, um, the, the guilt and the shame, it's justified. I deserve this guilt. I deserve this shame for, for what I've done. The penalty that I am paying, I understand, God. I understand you are you're penalizing me, and, 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 and I get it, and I don't blame you because I, I, I deserve this. For some of you, You just can't shake it. No matter how hard you try, it just won't go away. You've prayed the prayers and you've, you, you, you've tried different techniques and different things. You've sat in the seats and at church and you've talked to people and, and, and still it just is there playing over and over and over again. You can't shake it. You can't get rid of it. And it is crushing you. In Mark chapter 1, we come across this guy who is in need of physical healing. And I really think it's a, a, a beautiful picture of how Jesus can heal our wounded soul. Look back with me at Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, just the first part of that verse, where it says, A man with leprosy came and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Uh, this... this Man had leprosy, and we're not super familiar probably with leprosy in our culture, uh, but in that culture, uh, leprosy was prominent, and leprosy was a horrific disease. And if you're not familiar with leprosy, what it does is it attacks the nerve endings, and, and it kills all of the nerves in your body where you become numb, numb to pain. And what happens is if you get burned or if you get cut or if you brush up against something and get bruised, um, you don't notice it and, and infection can set in. And, and by the time infection sets in, it's, it's too late. It's like a death sentence. It's, 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 like, it's like a tomb. I think that's exactly how sin operates in our lives, like, like leprosy does for this guy. Sin, sin makes us numb to the poor choices and decisions that we make. Laura and I have raised four teenagers, and uh, all four of them exactly the same when it came to keeping their room clean. Any parents of teenagers know the, the, the struggle of walking in your teenager's room. I mean, I can't tell you, I remember walking up into their room, and I won't throw them under the bus because I don't, I don't want to do that, but I remember walking up in her room, I'm sorry, I mean, I only have one daughter, <laughs> so I remember walking up in the, into their room, opening the door and going, what happened? I'm like, did, it, did a tornado sit down here last night because I didn't hear the sirens going off? And they're like, oh, stop mocking me, Dad. Stop mocking me. I'm like, look at this. Look at what? This. 
Look at this. Like, what is this right here? Those are my clothes. I know they're your clothes that I paid for, but they're laying on the ground next to the hanger. Why can't you put them on the hanger? Put them in the closet that I paid for. Well, because they're dirty. Well, then why didn't you put them in the hamper that I bought for you, this little clothes basket that I bought at the dollar store? They can go right there because I'm going to wear them later. Well, I... What is with the... I, I would be, I'm not making this up. I am not exaggerating any of this story. I, I, I go around like, what is this bag of food from Wendy's here on the floor? Why don't you put it in the wastebasket right next to it? Because oh, I'm going to eat it later. What? Who does that? And what I've come to realize, if, by the way, if you've never raised a teenager, this is really good. This is free, Okay. They really don't know. <laughs> they really don't see it. It's exactly what sin does in our lives. It numbs us to the poor choices and the decisions that we make in our lives. It blinds us to, to what we are doing. It, it numbs us to the point where we see that some of the choices and decisions were like, it's not that big a deal. You just get over it. Like everybody does this. Everybody does this. And so we become numb to, to poor judgment that we have. We become numb to compromise in our life. We say, you know, I mean, I'm not really flirting. I'm just being nice. Can I just be friends? I mean, I'm not really flirting. And we're numb to what we're doing. I'm not, I mean, it's just one paper, cheating on one paper, one exam, like, What's the big deal? I mean, in the broad scheme, just, and we become numb to the lies. We become numb to the compromise, and the damage gets done in our lives, and by the time we recognize it, it's too late. We become numb to the pain, and, and we don't see the damage that it's doing in our lives, and also, we don't see the pain that it's causing in people around us. And I, I, would, I would submit this, too, that, it, that if we don't um, see the pain, in, if, if we're not numbing the, if we're, excuse me, if we're not numb to the pain, then I, I think what we do is we try to numb the pain. Like, I, I can't handle the guilt. I can't handle the shame. I can't handle the memories. And so we put a substance in our body or a stimulant in our body or we run up a credit card or we have an unhealthy eating pattern or we just go on vacation to try to get away from our problems or, or we just try to maybe just sleep <laughs> and we just numb the pain. So if we're not numb to the pain, we can try to numb the pain. And so this, this leper here, this guy, he, he, he was sick and he knew he was sick. Like he recognized, in fact, in the scripture it says he was begging to be healed. He, this guy was desperate, absolutely desperate. And so he turns to Jesus. I, I would submit this, that I, I think we understand our desperation for a miracle in other areas of our lives. We, we talked about this last week. 
We talked about hope for the heart, that you maybe need a miracle in a relationship. You need a financial miracle. You need a miracle in, the school, in, in your school right now with the classes and, and what you've bitten off and what you're trying to do. You need a miracle in your career. You need a miracle in, in your future. We understand that, but do we understand the miracle and the healing that I need for my soul? Because Jesus didn't come just so you could have a good marriage, a nice job, and financial freedom. That is a very, very shallow relationship with Jesus. No, he didn't just come so you could have financial freedom. He came so that your soul could be free. Like he came so that your sins could be forgiven. And, and you may not believe this, and it may be hard for you to understand, but he came so that your sin and your shame and your guilt could be gone and erased and taken away and replaced by his grace and his mercy. This is one of our four core values. In fact, I'd like for you to write this down if you're taking notes. You know, last week we talked about hope for the heart. Today, I want to tell you this, is that, listen, healing for the soul can be found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Like this guy, this leper, what he understood was he knew that that bandages and balms and ointments, they're great, they're nice, but they weren't going to heal him. Like he he knew that that he needed Jesus. I I think what happens to us is we do this. We try various bandages and and, and balms in in our lives to kind of try to heal our soul to try to ease the guilt and, and ease the shame. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna be a good person. I'm a good person. I am a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, and, and if I'm good enough, then, 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 then God, God's gonna love me. If I'm good enough, if I'm just kind enough to enough people, if I just do the right thing enough times, then, then God, I'll be in good graces with God and I'll get in that, I'll cross the threshold of heaven one day. And I've, I've got all these, oh, this stuff in my, in, in my, in my past. And, and, you know, just what I'm going to do now is I'm not going to do that anymore. I am going to be moral. I'm going to be a moral person. And I'm going to make good choices and I'm going to make good decisions. And if I'm a moral person and I don't do bad things, and maybe God will accept me. You know, I'm going to donate to charity. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for the hurricane victims and, and the things that are happening. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to care and think about those, those people. I'm going to try to be compassionate. I'm, I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit in, in church. Now, I think what we do is we treat salvation like a restaurant's reward card. You know how every restaurant and every business you go in now, that everybody's got a rewards card, don't they? And if you go in enough times, they'll give you enough stamps that you can get something free. Like I, I've got, I'm stoked because I've, I just found out Starbucks has one, and I have got my Starbucks Nitro Cold Foam Rewards Card. Four more, just four more stamps, and I get a free one. Four more, four more. Jesus does not have a rewards card. I was good, got a stamp. 
Went to church. Got a stamp. I am a morally upright, good person who treats my family with honor and dignity. Got another stamp. It doesn't work that way. Praise God, it does not work that way. You cannot earn your salvation. You can't earn it. You can't earn his favor. You can't earn forgiveness. I mean, listen, do, doing right things won't make you righteous. That's so important to know. Doing right things is good. Come on, tell somebody, doing the right thing is good. Tell somebody, doing the right thing is good. But doing right things won't make you righteous. Paul said this when he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi. He said this in in chapter 3, verse 9. He said, I become righteous, say this with me, what? Through faith. I become righteous through faith in Christ. I I don't become righteous by, by being good. I don't become righteous by being kind. I don't become righteous by being moral. I don't become righteous by going to church. Listen, those are all great things, but everybody can do those things. And it it is not a bearing on your salvation. No, it is through faith alone in Jesus. Like, that's really, really good news, especially to me, because I'm a works-based guy. I, I, I spent slave and slave and slave trying to earn God's favor. I want God to like me. You see what I'm doing, right, God? See the good I'm doing right now, God? Right, you saw that, right? You saw that, right, God? And I fall, I fall every time into that, into that uh, ditch of just works and works and works, trying to earn the favor and approval of God. But praise God, I don't have to do that. I can cease my striving. I can cease my working. It is all about Jesus. Come on, somebody say, it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Like the leper, he understood this. The leper understood he had no ability to heal himself. Look what he says in the second half of verse 40. He says, if you are willing, and he knows you're the healer, You're the miracle maker. I've seen you do it. It's on you. It's not on me, but it's on you because I know you're the miracle maker. If you're willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. I think this is the number one question that most of us ask is, is God willing to forgive me? Is he really willing to forgive me after what I've done, after the pain I've caused, after the the hurt, after... All that has happened, the people that I have have wounded, just all this stuff, is he really willing to forgive me? I I think like the leper, you got to take a chance. Got to take a chance. Got to take a step of faith. And and what I want you to know is this, I, I think Jesus will surprise you. He surprised the leper, verse 41, moved with compassion like he god is moving god is moving come on turn to somebody and say he's moving to you come on tell somebody encourage them right now he is moving to you look at this it says jesus did what say this with me he what he reached out and touched him i am willing somebody say he is willing be healed this is shocking you wait a hold hang on Like, Jesus just touched a leper. 
Now, you may not, you may think, well, what's the big deal? First of all, Jesus is the Son of God. Second of all, in the human flesh, he is a rabbi. Rabbis ain't supposed to touch lepers because lepers are unclean. They have a disease. And in that culture, most of them believed that that person had that disease because there was sin in their life. So they believed that leprosy wasn't just a physical thing, but it was also a, a spiritual thing. And Jesus reaches out and touches the guy. Can you imagine that moment? Like here he is. He's, nobody's touched him in how, how long? Nobody has come near him in, in how long? I mean, nobody, this is the thing about leprosy in that day. You had to stay six feet away from every person if you were a leper. You could not come within six feet of anybody. And if the wind was blowing... You couldn't even go out of the leper colony because if the wind was blowing, you couldn't come within 150 feet of anyone. How long it had it been since this guy had known the embrace of another person? How long it had it been since he felt somebody reach out and touch him? How long had he been in this tomb? How long was he alone? How long that and how heartbreaking and horrific that must have been for him, dying this slow death. See, left alone and without Jesus, left alone in our sin and our shame, your soul will die a slow death. You will slowly fade into a very dark place. But can I tell you that if that's how you feel today, if that's where you're at, you are in the right place. Because at Core Church, man, we are people of compassion. We are the people of Jesus. And if Jesus was moved with compassion, we are moved with compassion. We believe that we have the ability to reach out and embrace people who are far from God, reach out and embrace people who are dealing with sin and shame. Like We ain't afraid here in this church to rub shoulders with sinners, okay? This is where you're at. This is who we are. All are welcome. Everyone can come. Everyone is a part. We are all on equal ground at the cross. Like that's who we are. This is who Jesus, listen, Jesus was moved with compassion. Think about this. This is what compelled Jesus to move from the throne in heaven and come to this earth. He came to heal our broken soul. Like he came for those who are marginalized. He came for those who have done the most horrific things. He has come for those who've had the horrific things done to them. He has come to heal our souls. And what I love about the cross, can you envision the cross in a new way today? Jesus on the cross, what he did in that moment is he reached out through eternity and grabbed a hold and touched your sin. My sin. He touched it. And then he took it and put it upon himself. Took the curse of sin and he put it upon himself. Took it off of you. Took it off of me. Took the weight of shame. The weight of guilt. The weight of condemnation. The weight of my unrighteousness. And he took it upon himself on the cross. He says, I got it. And he takes it and he dies there. And my sin dies at the cross with him. My sin, my shame, the mockery, 
all on him so that I don't have to carry it. He doesn't want you to carry it through your life. I love what the prophet Isaiah said. He, he was a way, he's a uh, just a thousand years before Jesus even came on the scene, and he prophesied this about the Messiah. He said in Isaiah 53 5, but he would, this is, he's talking about Jesus, the coming Messiah, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped. Come on, say this with me. Why? So we could be healed. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. And that's what this leper found in Jesus. Go back to the story. Look at verse 42, and it says, instantly, somebody say instantly. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Come on, somebody. In an instant, in an instant, the mercy and grace of Jesus can heal your soul. In an instant, it can be healed. My mom uh, is an amazing woman of God. I love my mom. Watching her whole life, she loves Jesus like nobody else loves Jesus. My mom also loves crafts. And uh, she would, when she would do her crafts, she always put a, a Jesus spin on them all the time. I mean, there's so many crafts. I mean, she, she was gluing stuff and cutting stuff and, 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 and burning stuff and, uh, and, and cross-knitting stuff. I mean, just she was a craft-making fool. In fact, I, I'm not kidding you. In my, during my childhood, I, this is a very true statement, I always wore shoes in the house because I never knew when I was going to step on a needle or a bead. So I'm like, I'm wearing shoes, so all like, because there's nothing worse. You ever done that? Stepped on a bead from a craft or a Lego? Oh, that's the worst. And so my mom, I mean, I think every throw pillow in our church, in, in our, excuse me, in our house had a had a scripture cross stitched on it, like Jeremiah 29:11 in the living room. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to bring you hope. You know, I mean, she just had every one. You know, I, I, I'm, I, you know, the, to, as the deer panted for the water. We had some pillow with a deer that was that was cross stitched on it. I'll never forget this. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after you. I mean, she just everywhere in our house. Like I, I had to hide my pillow at night so she wouldn't cross stitch it with a scripture. <laughs> one of the coolest things that she did, though, is she wouldn't take this book an old book, and she would spray paint it gold, and she put a picture of Jesus on one side and a, and a hymn on the other. I've got an example of it. I want you guys to kind of see this so you can get a picture of it. This is what my mom, uh, she would do. She would just take some old hardback book, and she would spray paint it, and then she would take a picture of Jesus, and, and, and she would burn the edges around, and then she'd take a hymn, and she'd burn around the edges of that, and then she would glue it. She had this spray glue that she sprayed down on all of it, which was awesome. I loved hanging out in the garage because <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was Jesus or the glue, but I had a very happy childhood. Uh, but I was looking at this book, and I was thinking, this is, this is an incredible um, example of our lives because your life and and my life is a story and some of the chapters the previous chapters in your life story are ones that you want to forget 
they're, they're filled with uh, shame. And they're filled with regret. And there's those moments, and, and the enemy has a way of always taking you back to him, doesn't he? You flip back the pages, and there, there it is. It's, it's, it's your story. You can't, you can't get away from it. And in church, we teach this, this poor theology that somehow Jesus can zap the memory out of your life. He can just zap it right out, and it won't even be in your story anymore. It won't even be who you are. I wish that was true. Eternity will do that for all. Or we'll be fully complete, fully made new, like our Savior. But I think a better image of it is this, is that what what Jesus does is Jesus comes and with his blood, he, his blood shed on the cross, it just flows over your life story and it seals the past like the glue of these pages where they cannot be opened ever again. That it is done, it is finished, it is covered by the blood of Christ. But not just that. Jesus didn't just come to seal your past and say, listen, that is gone. That, that chapter, that's over. You don't have to revisit it anymore. But here's what Jesus does. He says, no, I'm coming and I'm writing my story into your story. Like I'm writing a new chapter. So when you look upon your life, think about this. You want to get rid of guilt. You want to get rid of shame. You want to get rid of your past. Stop thumbing back. Let the blood of Jesus cover you. And when you look upon your life, look upon your Savior. Look upon Jesus and be like, no, he's got me. He's writing a new story. This is who he is. This is what he does. Healing for my soul is found in Jesus. I want you to, to stand. I love the, the hymn in here. It's so old that I don't even know the tune because I don't even remember singing this. But the name of this tune, I, uh, the name of this hymn I think it's so appropriate. If you have guilt or shame or sin that you're dealing with, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know today that you can be forgiven and be baptized and be a member of the body of Christ. I love chapter, uh, or chapter, I love verse four. It's like old English writing, but let this be a prayer over you. Let Jesus speak this over you. Never yet in vain has a sinner cried. Never yet in vain has a sinner cried. Never yet in vain, never yet in vain was the blood applied. When a sinner cries, the blood is applied. Whosoever will may in him be blessed, whosoever will find a perfect rest. Mighty to save and strong to deliver, Jesus is mighty to save.